you know, it's funny is we used to, uh, a colleague of mine who you know, we used to refer to ourselves as the young guys in the business and we looked up to the mentors who were our age and guess what? Now we're that, yeah. we're those guys and that's okay. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Billy Dentremont, known to most as Billy D., of Keller Williams. He is a real estate professional and a team leader at Keller Williams. Hey, Billy, welcome to the show. Hey, buddy. Mark, uh, good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. I remember watching you on social media in the early stages, March, April 2020, March, April, COVID, right? That's the year, the year of the COVID. And you were leading your community. You were out in front talking to folks. Yeah, we were, uh, we were trying to let the business owners know that it's going to be all right. Like the restaurants, the insurance people, none of us did. We're trained. I feel that myself and my team was trained better for a change like that than a lot of other business owners because they don't have that mentality of, like you talked about, what books do you read to motivate you? What podcasts do you listen to? Mentally, how how tough are you? And I just felt like I was in a better position than some of the other business owners out there. Restaurant owners didn't you know, didn't know how to prepare for a pandemic. They didn't know how to prepare for it. I don't know. I just think I was more prepared for it. Why? I think a lot of my, the training that I had taken, uh, a lot of the training that I had done in the past and, uh, uh, you know, again, tr train, lead, motivate, you know, KW, I'm going to give them a little, you know, a little bit of a, um, a plug here. They have some great training and I plugged in a lot of systems, models, training, and I just think that I was built for it. Well, it was the calls, right? Like you were out there saying care calls. Let's check in. Let's see how everyone's doing. We're not selling right now. We're checking in. Yeah, care calls. Care you know, calls. care calls we loved. I built my business not on you know, talk about legacy. You know, guys like you and I, we talk about I don't I do not want to be remembered as a guy that sold a lot of houses. It means absolutely nothing to me. You know, I want to be remembered as a funny guy, caring guy. Uh, somebody who helped out, genuinely wanted to make other people better um, and wanted to raise people up with him um, because I think everybody deserves that. So, you know, my legacy at the beginning of, you know, at the beginning of pandemic was like, hey, we have to help people because they don't, these other businesses, they don't know the things that you're, you have an entre entrepreneurial mindset. And I'm not saying some of these business owners don't. They have, but some of them just have a, um, like a business mindset where they, they, they may be a good cook and they open up a restaurant, but they didn't know how to deal with a pandemic. And, um, you know, you look at, I'm going to throw names out here in the, in the restaurant business was Brian Houlihan. Yeah, oh yeah. That guy pivoted Crushed in it. such a, and at the beginning he was on social media. He didn't hide. He got right on social media. Hey guys, you know, if you remember, you know, at the beginning of it, People were wondering if we're going to like run out of food. Like well, now we had to laugh about it, but. Well, I don't laugh about it. I remember it vividly. And I remember him being out there in front, basically creating a distribution center out of um, the Tinker Sun. Yeah. Right. Come get a family meal. Pull in, pull out. No touch. He was the first. He was the first. He was an innovator. He was really impressive to watch. Yeah. This. And he was also preparing um, at the very beginning some uh, lunches and dinners for first responders, nurses up at South Shore Hospital. Yeah. And they were. Um, uh, they were delivering them 
to them. So he was the, and he took a, he took a beating. I mean, he took a financial beating. Um, but the guy, cause he had just, he was just about opening the red parrot. Right. And so the he had parrot, the parrot. I'm sorry. Now it's the parrot. Um, Which is awesome. Have you been? I, we've been a couple of times. So, but he had four restaurants and plus the parrot, which was opening. And I mean, the guy, every penny the guy had was in restaurants and nobody could go and eat. So funny story. Julie and I celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary in 2020, June. We went to the parrot because it was open. Nice. Did you sit up uh, the deck? I did. So good we up did. there. We did. It was like a misty, foggy, but it had to be done because he yeah. was open and he was, he was doing it for people. So let's talk about your new role at KW. Now, for folks who don't know Billy D., there is an earlier episode on this podcast where he talks about utilizing your database, and I highly recommend it. We're not going to repeat that segment, but the master of the database is on that earlier episode, um, and we talked about how to touch the database, and, and we talked a little bit about that just now with the, with the video uh, in the beginning of COVID and communicating virtually because that was the only way at the time, but he's taken on a new role post-COVID. Tell us about your new role at KW. So I'm still selling, um, first and foremost. I'm still selling real estate. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't see that going away. Uh, I actually do still enjoy that, but I've taken over their their team leader role, which um, in the KW world that means you're kind of uh, you're in charge of recruiting, retention. Um, you're in charge of kind of leading leading the troops, making sure they have what they what they need, um, education, training, culture. Um, and I tell you what, the, the hardest thing post-COVID was culture because a lot of these businesses lost their culture because you couldn't bring all your employees together. That's how you build your culture. So our biggest, um, our biggest uh, asset we had was our culture. And we went six or eight months without being able to go in the office. And there's no way to – so now we're trying to rebuild that. Um, so I've been back at that now for – maybe a couple of months, two months now. And, and we're building it. You know, our, our plan is to, you know, build our company to over a hundred real estate agents and um, more so build a place that nobody wants to leave. Real estate's a very competitive industry. And a lot of these larger real estate companies um, are public. So, you know, they can offer different things that we can't as a large, with the largest independent company, but we can't offer you know, cash or stock options right now. I do believe Keller Williams is going to go public at some point um, within the next year. I think they have to in order to stay competitive against some of the larger uh, franchises. So you're in charge of recruiting then? Correct. Get, getting good Recruiting people. retention. So tell me what a, a call would sound like. I'm an agent. You know that I'm good, but maybe I'm happy. Maybe I'm not. What's that call sound like? I think it would go something like, um, you know, I call you, you know, ring, ring. Hey, Mark, Bill Dentremont. Billy D. What's up, buddy? How you been? I'm doing good, bud. How about yourself? Doing great. Doing hey, listen, great. I'm giving a call, you know, a couple reasons here. One, we have some fantastic training over here, a couple of upcoming events. And, and when I saw him go on the calendar, I immediately thought of you as it might be able to benefit uh, you and your business. Um, the, these are the following classes. Just want to see if you might have time to come by, check it out. It's about an hour of your time. Promise I won't try to recruit you. Just see if I can help you, you know, take your business to another level. So give, share, abundant. This is what we do here. Yeah. If you like it, then maybe you'll stick around for a cup of coffee, a ham sandwich. Exactly. Maybe another conversation. <laughs> yeah, another ham sandwich. Well, the other thing is just like, you know, I, I try to ask people um, – What's your lack? Like, what's your need? We all have one. It's just a matter of whether people are honest with themselves and they'll they'll say, 
this is my need right now. Or when I when I went to Keller Williams, um, the guy that recruited me, Eric Kipnis, I thought I was a hot shot, selling like ten houses a year. And he's like, "Do you always want to sell 10? That's all he had to say. I'm like, "Well, no." And he's like, "Well, what have you done in the last five years that's changed your trajectory?" And I thought to myself, "Nothing." So I met with him. He showed me the training, the coaching, and my business, you know, went way up from there. Never, never looked back. So are you recruiting the younger you? Is that your avatar? So, you know, what's funny is we used to, a colleague of mine who you know, we used to refer to ourselves as the young guys in the business. And we looked up to the mentors who were our age. And guess what? Now we're that. Yeah. We're those guys. And that's okay. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think one thing real estate is lacking is some younger entrepreneurial minds, at least here on the South Shore of Massachusetts. I know if you go into the city, um, they're, they're more in there, but um, I, I think the business can definitely use uh, getting a little bit younger um, just because they got their beautiful minds. I mean, like we see things one way and they see things a totally different way. It doesn't make one right or wrong. It's just perspective. That's my word. I came out of uh, COVID with perspective. I love the word. Yeah. And it gave us perspective. That's for sure. So how do you find these folks? So uh, a bunch of different ways. One would be, um, you know, agents in our office. If they're in, you know, uh, co-broke deals with other salespeople, you know, was it a good deal? Uh, would you recommend them? Um, and I'll follow up and say, hey, Mark, um, you know, I heard you're a fantastic agent. You just did a deal with with Ben in our office. He was talking so highly of you that I wanted to call and introduce myself to get to know you because, um, again, I heard you're such a fantastic human. So, uh, through Cobrokes, through you know um, recruiting sites, through the real estate board, um, and that's mostly. And then you check their numbers and understand what kind of volume they're doing. Yeah, and it's funny. It's um, it's our business is definitely. Um, they joke about the eighty twenty rule is definitely the ninety ten rule. Got it. Um, the numbers are the numbers. I see the numbers and. And the the ones that are killing it are doing it at such a high level. And then there's almost everybody else. So you love to find the everybody else and get them up into that, that 10%, grab the 90 and see who wants to join the 10. That's an interesting concept. And if that's the goal, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, even more so now, 90, 10 might even be 95, <clears throat> five, right? It's about the listings right now. How do you get the listings and, and, uh, and, and reap the rewards of this high buyer demand? If you're not getting listings right now, um, you're definitely in trouble in this business. You know, we always, there's a saying, you get a list to last. Um, if you're not saying that you can, I know plenty of buyer agents that ran around a number of years ago. You and I have common friends that just focused on buyer agency and they did really well. And that was in a, that was in a flat market. And when you're in a high demand, super seller's market, uh, you simply won't eat if you're just working with buyers right now. So you have to get listings. Um, I built my business through word of mouth referral database and I depend on that database who, you know, everybody has a, they, most agents have a board with 10 things going from left to right on what they're trying to do. And we're trying to do one because if I had 10, I'd lose focus on all of them. Where if we just have one, that's just our focus and that focuses our database and people like yourself or referral partners and, um, I love all my referral partners out there, you know, the business owners who were, we're given, we're given back to them. We're, we're working with them. They're working with us. And, uh, you know, that's been doing it for years and I'm not going to change my way on that. You know, they, they may have those relationships or something that technology will never, ever replace. 
Folks, I do encourage you um, to go back and listen to that episode with Billy D. He was a bit under the weather, um, and he he didn't think he did a great job. But I will say it's it's an amazing conversation about the value of a database and the use of the database. But let's talk about sellers and getting listings right now. So you're going to be helping your agents or your potential agents that you're currently recruiting get to the seller first. Correct. How do we find the seller who doesn't already think that they want to sell right now? You know, I think a, a lot of them, you think, unfortunately, some some things that came out of COVID, like COVID or pre-COVID, post-COVID is death, divorce, and babies. And all those people have a need to sell a home. So are you looking for business partners who are estate planning attorneys? Um, are you looking for, you know, past clients uh, or step up? Uh, there, there are plenty of, there are always going to be houses out there for sale. It's just a matter of finding them right now. Um what we're finding a lot of the sellers are having the biggest problem with is if I sell, where am I going to go? And we're saying, we'll figure it out, <laughs> which isn't the answer some of them want to hear. And again, folks, if you're listening to this for the first time, and maybe it's 10 years from now or three months from now, we're talking about the middle of July, 2021, coming out of COVID with the most scarce marketplace for homes to buy against buyers wanting to buy. So we have an unhealthy market which Billy had referred to as there was a flat market before where the buyer agents were successful because if there was a buyer, then there was a house to match because there was a balance. There was a healthy market between, a healthy balanced market between supply and demand. But right now, I mean, have you ever seen anything quite like this? I've been doing this 20 years. I haven't seen anything close to this. I mean, Not You joined the opposite, right? The, the opposite was when there were so many homes and no one really wanted to buy them. Yeah. Back in, say, 07, 08, I don't remember which year, what month, but I can tell you in the state of Massachusetts, we had um, right around 25, 26,000 single family homes for sale on the market. So 25,000 single family homes. Back 60 days ago, we had 2,400. Oh, my goodness. So 9% 9 of what, what we had back in 07. So the opportunities aren't there. So it goes back to you can say location, 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 but it's supply and demand. The demand far outweighs the supply. And I think it's going to take a number, I think it's going to take a while to get back to, um, you know, a healthier supply. Even going into COVID, we only had just over 7,000. So we were starting to, the inventory number had been going down for a while. Uh, Massachusetts, we're not doing a lot of new construction, new building. So we don't have, um, you know, like some of these other states where they pop up these brand new developments and there's opportunity we don't have them here. So you kind of have to take what we have. Wow. That's, uh, that's going to be challenging to watch that go through. But some of the opportunities uh, to create more housing stock, and it's kind of a, a black eye, right, is, is the lenders, right? Are, the, are there distressed homeowners out there that now have a significant amount of equity that could capture some of that equity prior to a bank foreclosing on them. Absolutely. That's something that we see now that we didn't see back in 07, 08 market where people do have the equity. The, a problem with that is a, a lot of time homeowners hold on just too long. They're too embarrassed. They don't want to talk to anybody and they wait too long. And they, you know, 
a lot of people should have equity in their homes right now. There's never been a better opportunity to have equity in a home, regardless of when you closed on it, as long as it wasn't last month. So making those care calls, people understand that you care. They're going to reach out to you versus one of those so-called bandit signs that say, we buy ugly yeah, houses. Right. I'm going to call Billy. I trust Billy. And I, I don't think I can, I don't think I can afford this anymore, but and, and the thing with, you know, there's always distressed opportunity, but we're, you know, if, if you, you hit the realtor and we go to market, you're selling at retail as opposed to wholesale. So uh, there, there was a big financial difference between, you know, for the, for the home seller between retail and financial. Right. But that seller may not want to go out to the general public and have everybody see what is happening. Right. Them, right. And that's that's where the opportunity comes in for the investor. And the investor has to have their eyes open for opportunities, driving around town, looking at houses with the, the overgrown grass, with the the bad roof, the, the the moss growing on the roof, the shutters laying across the door, the broken garage doors. Um, if you start looking, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. It could just, a lot of people just can't, they, they could buy a home, but they don't know how to maintain or can't afford to maintain a home. Right, right. And they're in every neighborhood and every zip code. Everyone, everyone. And it's not just the, the lower end markets and the higher end. There are higher end neighborhoods. If you drive through, you just gotta, they're easy to spot if you're looking for them. So how do you balance the stigma of the real estate investor opportunist who's going to steal the home from somebody versus that real estate investor who wants to help have the homeowner leave a little on the table for the investor for helping, but also land that person on their feet with dignity, with some money in their pocket, dust off, right size, get to where you need to. How do you, how do you message? Because I would imagine if I were in distress, the last person I'd want to talk to is a real estate investor. Yeah, probably me too. However, if that real estate investor can get you out of that position really fast and get you back on track in your life to where you need to be, sometimes you just have to make that decision to say, okay, am I, am I better off holding off and knowing the outcome or it's coming to terms with somebody, you know, the, the home seller there has a, has a right to try to negotiate back with the investor. It should still be a win-win. If it's not a win-win, it doesn't work for, for both parties. Um, and then... You know, the seller, obviously, my opinion, should always have counsel, you know, always have somebody that they can go to bounce stuff off of because they're not financial experts. Obviously, they're not if they're in a um, some type of financial burden on their home. So they should seek some advice to somebody who knows more than they do. Uh, and that could be a real estate professional. It could be a real estate attorney. It should be one of those two, maybe a financial advisor, a CPA. Uh, but the investors are there to make it simple, you know, hey, we're not going to we're not going to do any inspections on your house. We're going to take it as is. The homeowner in those homes know what the problems of their homes are and and they know it's going to come up and they know it's going to cost money, they know it's not going to cost money, and most of the time they don't have the any money to do any repairs. So, it could just still be easier for them to sell it off at a discounted rate to the investor, make whatever money they have, move on, start their their next chapter of their life with whatever money they got. With dignity. With dignity. Name not in the paper. All of the things that go along with foreclosure and bankruptcy and yeah. service of process and sheriffs and all that. And I've, I've sold homes to clients who have ended up getting foreclosed on. And I said to them, why didn't you call me? And they were, oh, I'm embarrassed. 
you know, and, and I'm like, don't you can never be embarrassed. Like, that's why you form talk about care calls. Like, that's why you build relationships with people where they should be able to call you and say, hey, I'm having a problem with my life. Can you help me? Like, I want to get those calls all day long. Get you get to me, you know, early enough and, and we can we can certainly save you from that position. So database, I'm sure you're hearing this at some point because Billy will definitely share with his database this conversation. Call him, right? He is the guy who cares for you and will list that property and put maybe someone who can take it off your hands quickly, but with dignity, right? You have those investors. Those people are out there that that do it right as a profession and not as a, a scam like some of the folks we saw in the last run-up. But that all played uh, hand in hand with subprime mortgages. It was so ugly. It was it, all it, like it was such one a dark time. It was one spider web of murky septic sewage. <laughs> well put. But when did you join the world again? Two thousand three was that uh, for real estate. Yeah. Uh, licensed the end of o two. So this is year nineteen. So next year. So this let's talk 20. about let's talk about o two o three o four. Now I know you were just ramping up at that point in time. But did you have a, 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 a do you have a feeling now that is similar to then, where it's still appreciating? Where everyone's like, "Well, are we at the top? Are we at the top? I don't know. How could we be? I took Econ 101. You know, we've got some time left with some of these nice homes that people want because the people who want don't appear to be going away anytime soon. It's funny. I mean, there's, there's so many differences when agents compare markets between then and now there I, I don't think there's any comparison the inventory was higher than you're talking about oh seven oh eight and now yeah but even back in like oh oh three oh four oh five um big differences were you know interest rates were five points higher than they are right now but super low at the time they're at historic at, lows oh, right 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 all relevant to to that time um values at that time were historic highs very similar to where we are right now we're like it's never going to go past a past what it was in July of 2005. Um, and then lo and behold, we saw what happened. I still personally believe that, you know, we're not quite at the top yet. I think we are in some markets, but we're not in others. And I think the not outweighs the are. I, I just think they're, you know, I have a friend that continues to call uh, Massachusetts right now, uh, the, the um, East Coast San Diego. He's like, you look at their prices out there. They've sustained for this many years. You see what you get. And now you look out here and you start comparing apples to apples. And it still shows that there's room for expansion here. Our job, our economy is super strong. Phar you know, pharmaceutical, financial, um, everything still indicates that there's still room for growth here. And because of the lack of new, um, new construction, you know, there's only unless people are are fleeing our state to go to retire down south, but as the you know the baby boomers and Gen Xers retire down there, you have the next generation of say millennials coming in and buying. So it's you're trading one for one. So I I, I think there's room to go. I, I really do. And you know, people are like, hey, when's the if if yesterday was the best time to buy, when's the next best time to to buy? And that's today. Right. Don't wait. Don't if wait. You're a buyer in a sought after area. You, you can't quit yet. I, I mean, I think you remember this. I, I bought a house, um, COVID happened, and we made an offer on a on an investment property a couple of days before it really everything gets shut down. And I was freaking out. I called you. I'm like, what do I do? And, <laughs> and you, know, you know, 20 years, I didn't know what to do. I phoned a friend, you know, and I, I remember calling you and, 
and and you gave me some sound advice and we went through it and I'm like, you know what? Hey, I'm going to I'm going to continue to buy it. We nobody knew what happened. They had moratoriums on on tenants where you couldn't evict and and I was more worried about, you know, hey, can I make my own mortgage payment? Can I feed my family? And we bought it and I'm so grateful that we did. I wish I bought two. Wish I bought two at the time. That was just over a year ago. A year and like 3 months ago. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, this is one thing they don't teach you in school is anything financial. They teach all these things that you're not going to use in your adult life that aren't going to really gain you much skill, but they don't teach you how to balance a checkbook. They don't teach you how to, uh, at least in grade school, middle school and local, you know, um, high schools, they're not teaching you an entrepreneurial mindset. And most millionaires are entrepreneurs, not all, but most. Um, I, I know with with my kids, we've been pushing the whole, you know, um, a lot of the way you think, a lot of your attitude, and then just to think differently, think bigger, um, and just to have a that entrepreneurial mindset, right? What do we talk about, Javon? The fixed mindsets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you say that. I, I always get frustrated when I realize that it's it's not a, a requirement to graduate to understand credit, debt, checkbooks insurance, the very basic things that you need to succeed. But I, I don't understand why they don't teach that. It's frustrating. You know how many, um, and I hate to bring like gloom into it, but do you know how many spouses that get left behind at a young age that, you know, whether it's a male or a female in their 30s, 40s, or 50s that have no financial concept whatsoever? They've never written a check. They don't know what their balances are. They don't know... With if if and what they have for 401k retirement, uh, if they have any life insurance, uh, if they even have a will. I mean, these are things that, you know, that you come out of college and you, 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 most of these kids only have, you know, quarter million dollars worth of debt and, and not a clue, to, you know, how to get that back and, and build a life, a life worth living. Um, I, I really wish they, they pushed that at a younger age. My wife, fights me on it sometimes with you about how much I talk to my kids about money. Um, I'm an open book about everything about even, you know, Hey, this is what you make if you sell a house, if you flip a house, or this is how much you should invest. And, you know, we have a rule with them every time they, they get any money, if they get $50 for, for working or, you know, that they have to take 25 it and put it away. They just can't blow the whole thing. They have to put some away towards the rainy day when they really want something. That's a great strategy. That's it reminds me of a uh, there's some really good children's books and one of the teachers that Denny had um early on in 4th grade really turned the light on for him. Um Jeff Dunn had a seven um seven habits of highly effective kids and it ran by his seven habits but with cartoons and kids is 4th grade. But there was also one by the former FDIC chair um Blair um Shayla Blair, I think she she was running the FDIC in the meltdown, right in the battlegrounds of 07, 08, 09. And she wrote a children's book about saving. And it was really, really good. It was about two brothers. One of them would make their money and go and spend every dollar. And then there was one that was saving. And it was a really, it was a really nice story. And I I just wonder why those basic things aren't being taught in school so that people don't get to 45 and the, you know, they're in a situation where they need help because they didn't 
get the education early on. Basic, basic education. Basic. It, it, it saddens me that people, I'm 48. It saddens me when I see 48-year-olds who are broke, who yeah. don't have a retirement. Um, they, they're upside down in their house. They you know, can't afford to fix their car when there's an issue. They have no savings account. They, they have no, nothing. And, and they're, you know, at that age, you're about ready to start putting your kids through college right. and know that, that those people are working until the day they die. Right. And I mean, that's not a life worth living. I mean, nobody wants to, unless you want to, you should not work past whatever age is acceptable to you. My age is much younger than I don't want to work past than, than most, but uh, I, I just want to do what's fun to me after that point. Like flip houses with your kids. Yeah, you know, it's like sales for me. Um, you've known me a long time, but I would love to not be working in eight years, seven years, other than investments and and just having fun, enjoying that, or help people better understand how to do it. Taking care of your database and Ta- mining sure. the database. I mean, I still have a team that will that will take care of that because that's I've built that book of business over twenty years. There's no reason to let that expire. So, Billy, if uh, an agent wants to talk to you or a seller wants to talk to you and has some concerns, wants their house listed, or a buyer is hearing you today and saying, that's the, that's the team that's going to find me a house, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? So, always by phone. Uh, it's uh, area code 781-964-4353, or you can email me. It's really simple. D at kw.com. So, Billy... If someone were to write a testimonial about Billy D and having sold their house, what would that testimonial look like? Um, so I always pride myself on saying I'm the worst salesman you'll ever meet uh, because I'm attached to the process and not the outcome. So I think that person would say that uh, Billy D truly went to bat for them throughout the entire process grabbed onto their hand, gave them as much information, if not more, than they thought they would receive. And when the sale was over, that our relationship just started. And that's the most important thing because that relationship is something you build during the transaction and you grow after the transaction. Um, That would be the perfect testimonial from a client for me. That's awesome. And of course, the most important question of the whole show, Billy, we're going to get a group of people together, an Elements of Styles reunion. We're going to network together. And one of the things we're going to do is we're going to do karaoke. So when it becomes Billy D's turn, what will Billy D be singing? That's a tough question. Um, geez, that's really put me on the spot there. I'm uh I, I got to think Siobhan's about that. laughing because he knows. He can't sing. He yeah, no, sing. I cannot sing. So that's, um, okay. that's the that's the the best part. Of you know, I think I got to go something old old school. Maybe a little Bob Marley. Uh, no woman, no cry. Ooh, maybe do that. Nice. You know, don't let my wife hear that. But yeah, you know, no woman, no cry. <laughs> no woman, no cry by Billy D out there with the whole crowd cheering him on. It would be amazing. I got my dreadlocks going. I love it, Billy. As always. It was such a pleasure having you on the show today. And again, folks, if you haven't already heard the earlier episode, the link is below in the show notes. Listen to what Billy D has to talk about database management. But it was awesome hearing about what you're thinking the future holds in real estate. Appreciate you sharing. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me today. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at 
styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Secure Title. Secure Title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Secure Title, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.